Well, amen. Thank you so much, Tracy and Richard. And good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you. It's good to be back uh, in the pulpit with you, uh, favorite church, and uh, my favorite choir. Uh, everybody but Mel and Ashley. But uh, <laughs> looked over where Linda used to play the organ. I said, "There, Linda." But no, she she hadn't grown a beard. <laughs> but it's sure good to be back. It's it's good to see all of you. Uh, been having a wonderful time retiring and, and going to different churches and, and preaching in, in various places. Uh, after a few weeks of having retired, I was down in San Antonio visiting with our daughter and her family. Our grandson, Logan, came and sat by the side of me one day and uh, he looked at me and he said, uh, uh, Granddaddy, uh, uh, Mama says you're not a, a, a pastor anymore. And I said, Logan, uh, that, that's right, I'm, I'm not a pastor anymore. He said, well, what are you? <laughs> I, I said, well, Logan, I'm a, I'm a retired pastor. He thought for a moment, and he said, the word tired is in that word retired, isn't it? <laughs> I, said, I said, yes, it is, Logan. He said, maybe you ought to go take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I've been taking a few naps uh, over, over the time of, of our retirement, and we have certainly enjoyed our retirement. Of course, we miss you, and, we, and we're glad to be here at every opportunity that we can uh, when uh, we, are, we are here, not preaching somewhere else. And I w just want to, to speak another word of encouragement to, to you and to say how, if I can use the word pride in the right sense of the word uh, that I am of you uh, because of your faithfulness. Uh, in your prayers and in your attendance and in your support of the church and the staff and Dr. Vaughn and Mrs. Vaughn, uh, who, by the way, sends his greetings to you. I received a, a text message from Dr. Vaughn this morning, and he asked me to be sure to remind you that uh, he and his wife miss you and they w wish they were here, but they are enjoying a few days of, of time off as well to be with their family. Uh, but he sends his greetings to you, and I am so thankful that we have Dr. Vaughn leading us during this interim time. Uh, I enjoy listening to him uh, try to say Nacogdoches and... <laughs> Yes, okay, all right, okay. you caught on. So, uh, but I, I love Dr. Vaughn, had the privilege of, of visiting with him, had him in my home for a couple of meals, and, and uh, it's just been, been great to, to uh, know that they're here uh, leading our staff. I thank the Lord for our staff, their, their faithfulness and their support and their leadership. You just carried right on, and that's made me proud of you, and I thank God for you and for your faithfulness to our church and to our Lord, and um, pray that you'll, continue to also encourage uh, the pulpit committee, the search, uh, pastor search committee, as they continue the important task of finding a replacement. I know God has someone out there uh, for us, and uh, we just need to continue lifting them up in their prayer, and Linda and I uh, continue to, to do that as well. So let's uh, get down to business and sharing with you a message from God's Word. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you please take them and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. And also the book of Philippians chapter 2. And the message today, which is entitled The Name Above Every Name, is the first in a series of sermons dealing with the Christmas season. Dr. Vaughn uh, had asked me if I would consider uh, preaching a message uh, that would lead us into the Advent season. The word Advent means coming or arriving. 
It's a term that is used in reference to the coming of Christ regarding his birth. And so uh, I know that uh, the candle that is lit today, and there will be one lit every Sunday between now and Christmas uh, Day, uh, to prepare us for the coming of the Lord and the celebration of Christ and his birth. And so today we begin the series with this sermon topic, the name that is above every name. Matthew chapter 1, I'll begin reading with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, behold, they came together. She was found before they came together. She was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The other passage of scripture comes from the book of Philippians, the second chapter of the book of Philippians, beginning with verse 9. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The first thing that we want to know about someone is what is his or her name. When a couple know that they're going to have a baby, they immediately begin thinking about a name for their baby. What will we call this baby? What are we going to give, what kind of name are we going to give to the baby? Whenever we meet a person, we ask them, what is your name? A person is known by his or her name. A person is not a number, not a sign, not a shape, but a name. And that name becomes everyone's way of knowing who he or she is. Reminds me of the census taker who was out in the rural area taking a census of each house that he came up on. On this one particular house, he met a farmer and he explained to him that he was working for the government and that he was taking a census of how many people lived in this house. He said, how many children do you have? And the man said, well, there's John and Henry and Mary and Susan. He said, no, no, I don't want their names. I want their numbers. He said, they ain't got no numbers. They all got names. So we are known by our names. All our lifetime will be known and identified by the name that has been given to us at birth. We must never forget that Jesus is the reason for the season. That we must never forget that Christmas is all about Jesus. 
Christmas is not about Santa Claus. It's not about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's not about Frosty the Snowman. It's about Jesus. Christmas is the celebration of the birth of Jesus. A concerned little girl approached her father one day and said, Daddy, I just don't believe it's right to ignore Jesus. And the father, more than a little confused, answered, Well, I agree with you, honey. We shouldn't ignore Jesus. But what made you think of that? Well, it's that Christmas song that we sing at church. You know, the one that says, oh, come, let us ignore him. <laughs> at Christmas time, a family was driving around the town looking at the different manger scenes. When they drove by the manger scene at the Methodist church, the five-year-old boy asked, who were the figures? And the parents explained, that's Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus in the manger. Then they drove by the Baptist church. When the five-year-old boy saw the wise men, he asked who they were. The parents explained, those are the wise men. They're looking for the baby Jesus. The little boy said, well, they won't find him here at the Baptist church. He's over at the Methodist church. <laughs> so we remember Christmas is the celebration of our Lord's birth. Jesus is the reason for the season. I am not a Buddhist. I am not a Hindu. I am a, not a follower of uh, Confucianism. I'm not a Muslim. I'm not a Jew. I'm not an atheist. I'm not an agnostic. I'm not a Marxist. I'm not a communist. I'm not a humanist. I'm not a Satanist. I'm not a hair Christianer. I'm not a Unitarian. I'm not a Christian scientist. I am not a Wicca. I'm not a Scientologist or a New Ager. I am a Christian, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I trust Jesus exclusively for my salvation. I pray when I pray in the name of Jesus. When I preach, I preach to exalt Jesus. When I worship, I worship Jesus. When I read my Bible, I'm reading about Jesus. When I sing songs, I sing about Jesus. When I witness to others, I tell them about Jesus. When I celebrate Christmas, I celebrate the birth of Jesus. I don't celebrate Hanukkah. I don't celebrate uh, Ramadan or Kwanzaa. I respect the rights of others to celebrate whatever they wish. But as far as I and my house is concerned, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Through the angel of the Lord, God made known to Joseph the fact that the name he would, had arranged for his son to receive when he arrived here upon this earth was the name Jesus. Through the name Jesus, the character of God would be revealed. Jesus, someone once remarked, puts a face on God. Jesus is called by his name 500 times in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the New Testament, the name Jesus appears over 909 times. It is obviously the most endearing and the most loved name for our Savior. And the name Jesus is packed with meaning and significance. There have been many names that I love to hear, but never has there been a name that is so dear to this heart of mine as the name divine, the precious, precious name of Jesus. There is no name on earth or heaven above that we should give such honor and such love as the blessed name, let us all acclaim that wondrous, glorious name of Jesus. And someday I shall see him face to face to thank and praise him for his wondrous grace. 
which he gave to me when he made me free, the blessed son of God who is called Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name. And that's the reason why I love him so. Oh, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. I want to share with you today on your outline, there are six things about the name of Jesus. And the first thing that I want to share with you is that the name of Jesus is prominent in our hymn books. One interesting thing that you can do if you have the opportunity to glance through a hymn book, and this is what I have in my hand, a copy of our hymn book. There are hundreds of hymns in this book. I looked at the page, there are over 600 pages in this book that have hymns in them. 32 of them bear the name of Jesus or some name of Jesus. Such hymn titles as How Sweet the Name of Jesus, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, Jesus, the Very Thought of You, Take the Name of Jesus with You, There is a Name I Love to Hear, Jesus Paid It All, I'd Rather Have Jesus, Jesus is All the World to Me, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, Jesus is Lord of All, Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross, Jesus is tenderly calling. Jesus is the lover of my soul. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves. Jesus, Savior, pilot me. Now there are other hymns, I'm sure, in other hymn books, but those are this in this hymn book. We call this book the hymnal or the hymn book, H-Y-M, Because his name appears so often, I like to refer to it as the H-I-M book. This is a hymn book that's about Jesus. And we sing songs about Jesus. We sing songs about him and worship him. The other songs that are Christmas songs, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, The First Noel, O Little Town of Bethlehem, Joy to the World, and on and on it goes. 32 songs, hymns in this H-I-M book that we use as we celebrate the birth of Jesus and we sing praises unto him, H-I-M. So the name of Jesus is prominent in our hymn book. But secondly, the name of Jesus is preeminent in the Bible. And in this book that I hold in my hand, it's my copy of the Bible. I was interested in looking at the beginning of the book of Matthew, the first chapter in the book of Matthew, the first chapter in the book of Matthew, which is, by the way, the first book of the New Testament, begins with the name of Jesus. Listen to Matthew 1.1. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, and the son of Abraham And when you turn to the end of the Bible, the last two verses of the book of Revelation is about Jesus. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all of you. So this book is the Jesus book. If you've ever watched someone do sign language for the deaf, in the sign language for the deaf, the book The Bible is called the Jesus book. And you take the middle finger and point it into this hand and take the middle finger of this hand and place it here in the other hand, pointing out 
the scars that are in the hand of Jesus. And so when a person does sign language for a deaf person, he uses this sign language for the Bible. The Bible is the Jesus book. And so it is full of scriptures about the Lord Jesus Christ. Every book in the Bible is about Jesus. In the book of John chapter 5, if you have your scriptures open, them too, please, please. John chapter 5. And in John chapter 5, Jesus said to his disciples and to the people who were standing around him, John chapter 5 and uh, verse 39. In verse 39, he says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. You search the scriptures. Now, the word search is an interesting word there in John 5, 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these that testify about me, Jesus said. The word search here in the Greek language is the word that is used of a hound, a hound dog. Uh, if a person gets lost in the woods, especially if it's a child, a, a hound or a hound dog may be brought in to search for the child or for the person. And one of the things that they do is take a, a piece of clothing, a, a shirt or dress or pants, something that has the scent of the person in it. And they'll hold it to the nose of the hound and the nose, the, the hound will sniff the scent of that garment and then he takes off looking for that individual and he will not rest until he finds it. And what Jesus is saying in John chapter five and verse 39, search the scriptures. Now he was talking to Jewish people, talking to some of the Sadducees, the Pharisees, who knew the scriptures as we say, like the back of their hand. And yet they had missed Jesus. And Jesus said, what you need to do, you need to go back to the scriptures. Go back to the prophets and to Moses and to the early prophets. It is they which testify of me. And if, you, if I may in a reverent way say, follow the scent that these Old Testament writers had regarding me. And, and the Bible is not Jesus, but the Bible will lead you to Jesus. The scriptures will lead you to Jesus. Search the scriptures, he said. It is they, that is the scriptures, which testify of me. In the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, as John comes to the end of his account of the life and ministry of Jesus, John closes his Gospel with these words. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So John says, uh, Jesus said, search the scriptures. They testify of me. John says, these words have been written so that you might come to believe that Jesus Christ is indeed the son of God. In the 24th chapter of the gospel of Luke, when Jesus, after his uh, resurrection, uh, walked along with the two men on the road to Emmaus, the scripture says in Luke 24, 27, then beginning with Moses and with all of the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. Then their eyes were opened and they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? 
how he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So we not only sing about him in the hymn book, but we also read about him in the Jesus book. This book is about Jesus. And when you personalize it, standing somewhere in the shadows of every single book of the Bible, you will find Jesus. In Genesis, he is the promised seed. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the scapegoat and the great high priest. In the book of Numbers, he's the brazen serpent lifted up on a pole. In the book of Deuteronomy, he is the lawgiver. In Joshua, he is the prophet and priest and king. In the book of Judges, he is the righteous judge. In the book of Ruth, he is the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is the anointer. In First and Second Kings, he is the king of kings. In First and Second Chronicles, he is our history. In Ezra, he is the rebuilder of the temple. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of the wall. In Esther, he is the the savior of the Jews, the deliverer of the nation. In Job, he is the Lord of the resurrection. In Psalms, he is the good shepherd, the shield and buckler and fortress and strong tower. In Proverbs, he is the wisdom of God. In Ecclesiastes, he's the great preacher. In the Song of Solomon, he is the wonderful lover. In Isaiah, he is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he is the street preacher. In Ezekiel, he is the reviver of dry bones. In Daniel, he is the stone cut out without hands. In Hosea, he is a spurned but forgiving husband. In Joel, he is the outpour of the full measure of the Spirit. In Amos, he is the giver of the abundant harvest. In Obadiah, he is the enlarger of Israel's inheritance. In Jonah, he is the merciful ruler. In Micah, he is the gatherer of the nations to Zion. In Nahum, he is the healer of the bruises. In, Nahum, in Habakkuk, he is the inheritance that remains with the fig tree falls to, fails to bloom. In Zephaniah, he is the author of Israel's son. In Haggai, he is the beautifier of the new temple. In Zechariah, he is the opener of the cleansing fountain. In Malachi, he is the purifier of the new temple. In, uh, of, he is the purifier of the sons of Levi. In Matthew, he is the king of kings. In Mark, the serving, suffering servant. In Luke, the son of man. In John, the son of God. In Acts, the mighty power of the church. In Romans, the author of the law of life. In Corinthians, the head of the church. In Galatians, the giver of free salvation, the torn veil. In Ephesians, he is the Holy One. In Philippians, the all-sufficient one. In Thessalonians, the coming Savior. In Timothy, the ideal pastor. In Titus, the blessed hope. In Philemon, the emancipator of all wayward slaves. In Hebrews, he is the best of all. James, the pattern for practical living. In Peter, the rock of our salvation. In John's epistle, the personification of love, our assurance. Jude, he is the one who is able to keep us from falling. And in the book of Revelation, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This book is the Jesus book. Every page, every book of the Bible is about Jesus and only about Jesus. So the name of Jesus is prominent in our hymn books. The name of Jesus is preeminent in the Bible. The third thing that I share with you today is that the name of Jesus is a saving name, a saving name. Jesus has an exclusive name 
because the purpose of that name was to stamp forever upon the personality that he bore, the uniqueness of his mission. And what was the mission of Jesus? Well, the name Jesus means Jehovah saves. Jehovah saves. Jesus was the one who would come into the world to be the savior of our lost mankind. There never has been nor ever will be anyone who can do what Jesus came to do for us. Matthew 1:21. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Acts chapter 4:12 says there is salvation in no other for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must necessary essential by which you must be saved. So Christ, listen to me, Christ is God's last word to man, not merely his latest. There will never be any more revelation from God regarding who Jesus is or what the way of salvation is. It is all wrapped up in that one precious name that is above every name, the name of Jesus If our greatest need, it has been said, had been for information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been for technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been for money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been for pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was for forgiveness. Therefore, God sent us a savior. You need to be forgiven. Every single person in this world who has ever been born now lives or ever will live upon the face of this earth will need to be forgiven of their sins. You need to be forgiven. You can be forgiven. You may be forgiven. You will be forgiven if you will repent and trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So the name of Jesus is prominent in our hymn book. The name of Jesus is preeminent in the Jesus book, the Bible, and the name of Jesus is a saving name. Fourthly, the name of Jesus is a powerful name, a powerful name. To the lame beggar at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, Peter said in the name of Jesus, Christ, the Nazarene, walk. A slave girl of Thyatira was delivered from a spirit of divination When Peter said over her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her as an assurance that prayers will be answered. Jesus said to his disciples, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus said that the father would send the Holy Spirit in my name. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus spoke of the disciples' ability to cast out demons and perform many miracles, all in the name of Jesus. No other name under heaven has ever been given among men whereby we must be saved. New believers are baptized in the name of Jesus. Believers are forgiven in the name of Jesus. We are to give thanks to God the Father in the name of Jesus. Believers have life in his name. The name of Jesus is a powerful name. But then the name of Jesus is an offensive name, an offensive name. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, we find these words from the New King James. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. 
I'm not saying anything to you that's new or different that you don't already know. But not everybody in this world loves Jesus like you and I do. There are a lot of people in this world who hate the name of Jesus, who hate what Jesus stands for, who hates the church where people gather in the name of Jesus to worship him. I remember a couple of examples. Uh, you recall a uh, uh, young man by the name of Kevin Likens. Uh, Kevin uh, was the strengthening coach for the Lumberjacks. Fine Christian young man. He became my prayer partner. Uh, you may remember the day that when uh, Kevin and I were in my office praying and uh, Kevin said, you know, Pastor, we, we need to pray that uh, God will do something, get our people on their knees. And that afternoon I had a heart attack. And many of you got on your knees to pray for me. And God answered your prayers. And so Kevin and I, when we got to prayer together after that, we were careful what we prayed for. <laughs> at my insistence. <laughs> Kevin uh, was a close friend of uh, Gene Chiswick, who was, as you know, one of the coaches for the Lumberjacks. And he and uh, 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 Coach uh, Chiswick, uh, uh, prayed together, and uh, Coach Chiswick said to him, if I ever get to be a, a head coach of some university somewhere, I want you to come and be the chaplain for our team. And so uh, as time went on, Coach Chiswick became the, the coach of Iowa State, head coach there. He contacted Kevin and uh, asked him to come and, and serve as the chaplain for their team, for the, for the department. Uh, of course, Kevin resigned his position and, and went, but uh, not to the liking of most of the people at Iowa State. There was one particular atheist on the, on the staff uh, that took the lead in opposing Kevin, the very thought not only just of Kevin, but anybody being a chaplain of the Iowa State football team. A hundred professors signed a petition to block Kevin becoming the chaplain of, uh, of the Iowa State football team. It was a mess. It was all over the newspapers, the news media. And uh, to make a long story short, uh, they finally uh, got together and, and got permission to, uh, to uh, allow him to, to be on, on staff, but they wouldn't call him chaplain. He was forbidden to use the name chaplain. Instead, he was called a life skills assistant. Don't care what you call him. He still got to talk about Jesus. <laughs> this is all in Coach Chiswick's book entitled All In, if you're interested in reading. It's a true story, folks. I remember several years ago when as your pastor, uh, we joined the other churches of our community for a citywide revival. And it was held over here at the Coliseum on the campus at SFA. You can't have a religious uh, activity on the campus there without it being sponsored by some religious organization that's already recognized by, by the college, by the university. And of course the Baptist student ministry is uh, one of our religious organizations on the campus here. And so they sponsored our having uh, a, a citywide crusade with Jay Strack, a very shrewd professor here at SFA filed an injunction on Friday afternoon before the revival was to start on Sunday 
to block Jay from going into any school to do a program on drugs. Now, Jay was not in the practice of, nor was it his intent to, he never did, never would, go into a school ground and talk about Jesus and tell everybody their lost need to get saved. That wasn't the purpose. He went there, or was going to go there, to talk about drugs and the dangers of it and to try to help the young people to avoid getting caught up into the drug scene and become drug addicts and so forth. But this uh, professor filed this injunction on late Friday afternoon, not giving us any opportunity or time to, to intercede and, and to oppose that because the revival started on Sunday. And, and that, uh, what that professor did caused a dark shadow to fall across uh, the, the crusade week. The, the news people came in, the television people were here. Everybody was all in an uproar about the, not being able to go into the schools and, and, and talk about drugs and, and uh, how dangerous it is for the young people to get involved in all of that. And it overshadowed everything else throughout the rest of the week. Why? Because certain individuals, he wasn't the only one. There were professors. Now, let me all, you guys who are the professors and you're involved, you know, you know I love you and we got good Christian people over there. I'm not, I'm not putting SFA down. I'm just telling you the truth that this is what happened. And it blocked his attempt to share with these young people uh, the dangers of becoming involved in the drug case. And so it was all because religion was going to be taking place on the campus. You remember Franklin Graham back several years ago when the Columbine High School tragedy took place and so many of those young people were killed. The governor of Colorado had asked Franklin Graham to speak at a memorial service for the family and friends. As a chilling drizzle soaked the crowd of 70,000 people, Franklin Graham boldly urged all mourners to seek comfort and hope and salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Later, he received both congratulations and criticism for his remarks. To Franklin's surprise, even clergymen complained that the emphasis on Jesus was offensive. He experienced the same response when he gave the inaugural prayer for President-elect George W. Bush. His father, Billy Graham, had to turn down the invitation because of illness, and so Franklin was asked to fill in his father's place. A few days later, Franklin came under great criticism for praying in the name of Jesus. You try to go over here on some Friday afternoon at a baseball, football game, whatever. No longer have prayer at the games, which is probably okay. I'm not opposed to that. I mean, who do you pray for? Which team do you pray for? Pray that the best team win? Well, but now you bow your head for a moment of silence. But I'm so proud of our band. They play. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. <laughs> but you're not allowed to pray. Not allowed to pray. No, not in the name of Jesus. No, not in the name of Jesus. The highlight of the Christmas play was about to show the radiance of Jesus at this little church production. An electric light bulb was hidden in the manger so that when all of the stage lights would be turned off, only the brightness of the manger could be seen. At the appropriate time, all lights went out. 
Silence was broken when one of the shepherds, the little boy, said in a loud whisper, Hey, you turned off Jesus. <laughs> there are a lot of people who are trying to turn off Jesus during the Christmas season. They just don't like it. It's an offense to them. But the name of Jesus is an exalted name. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. God raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Therefore, God also highly exalted him, given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name of Jesus is far above every name that has ever been named or ever will be named. It is the highest name of all names in all the world for all time. It is the number one name above all. In the United States Mint office of Washington, D.C., there is a delicate instrument for weighing gold. And this delicate instrument is so sensitive that if you were to place two pieces of paper on this weight, these scales, and you would write the name of a person on one of them, it would throw the scales off balance. It's the name of Jesus written upon your heart. If the name of Jesus is written in your heart, it tilts your soul to salvation. Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without him, I would fall. When I am sad, to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I'm sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. My friend in trial sore. I go to him for blessings and he gives them over and over. He sends the sunshine and the rain. He sends the harvest golden grain, sunshine and rain, harvest of grain. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me and true to him I'll be. Oh, how could I this friend deny when he's so true to me? Following him, I know I'm right. He watches over me day and night, following him by day and night. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. I want no better friend. I trust him now. I'll trust him when life's fleeting days shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend. Beautiful life that has no end. Eternal life. Eternal joy. He's my friend. May we bow together. Father, I come to you in the name of your dear Son and my precious Lord and Savior, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who has said that if we call upon you in his name, that you would hear and you would respond. I want to thank you and to praise you, Lord, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, as demonstrated on and through the Lord Jesus Christ as he died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit so that he could abide in my heart and in the heart of every believer. I thank you for the name of your dear son, Jesus, the powerful, saving, cleansing, wonderful, beautiful name of my dear friend, Jesus. Thank you for the privilege of talking about him today. And as we enter this time of the Christmas season of the year, may we always keep that name above every other name. Not that it's wrong to celebrate with joy the other ways that we do so, but that's just a side effect, an event, an emphasis. It's all about Jesus. Always has been. Always will be. May we always keep that in mind. That we'll exalt him. And hasten, Lord, the day when you'll come, when every one of us can bow a knee and confess with our mouths what we've always believed in our hearts, that Jesus Christ is Lord, in whose name I pray, amen. We're going to have this hymn of invitation. Brother Bobby, our associate pastor, is going to come and stand here at the front to receive any of you who may feel impressed of the Holy Spirit to come with a decision of some kind. Andre's going to lead us, so let's stand, please, and as we sing, you come. <laughs>